We're tracing the decisions that gave us the housing situation we have in Austin today in Growth Machine, how Austin engineered its housing market. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing What you think is in Our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not our fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why because we're, we're so doing smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. The ways that we talk about things become the ways that we think about things. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Art Markman. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, metaphors and framing discourse. There was an interesting op-ed piece uh, in the New York Times this morning where the, the, the notion of the resistance uh, came up. You know, there's a hashtag res- resist uh, that... Uh, was developed about a little over eight, eighteen months ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 the and this and this writer raised, raised a question, which is an interesting question. Well, are the people who are calling themselves the resistance actually the resistance, or is what's happening now with the people in power are they the resistance of an inevitable change that's taking place in the country and in society that? Those people are trying to resist. And, and I, it really was interesting to think about how much we envision ourselves by the metaphors we use to describe our motivations, our, our actions, our beliefs. And when, when we think about things like, you know, how do you define yourself? Are you a part of what's holding something back? Are you part of what's pushing something forward? And that kind of metaphorical language influences the way we make decisions about how to act. Yeah, and, and so you know, I think what's important about this is to recognize uh, not so much the current political environment, but, but the influence that the particular metaphor has on the options that you think are available to you. So um, if we take the notion of resistance, for example, so resistance assumes, if you just think about, uh, about, about the concept of resistance in general, that there's some force that's moving in a particular direction, and the thing that is resisting that force is impeding the motion of that in some way. And so when you cast your yourself as a member of a resistance, now what you're saying is there is some force in the world, often a social force of some kind, perhaps it's the government, perhaps it's the, uh, some other social movement. And, and it is, the assumption is that it is driving the, the, uh, it is the engine of change. And by being a resistance to that, it is your job to stop that change. Well, what is that what is that influence in terms of the actions you're willing to take? Well, it suggests that someone else is setting the agenda and that your job is to thwart that agenda, that the most obvious statement for you to make at any given moment is no. And uh, and and that that your job is not, constructive but destructive yeah. in the sense of trying to dismantle the the apparatus that is creating the force that's moving against you mm-hmm. and and so that the, the importance of that analysis is that if you recast the kind of metaphor that you use you may then recognize that there are other options at your disposal at that moment 
that might enable a very different set of actions, a very different approach to the very same yeah, that's situation. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I think all of us, if we think about our own self-concept, I mean, what we imagine ourselves as being, you know, are, are, are we the person who's, faci who's facilitating something? Are we the people who's keeping something bad from happening? Those kinds of things. I, I, I think art makes a really important point about what kind of options for action or inaction uh, are available to us based on that definition. And it is interesting to consider how much just a word or two can actually define so much about a situation precisely for the reason that we use metaphors to begin with, right? They, they have a lot of meaning packed into them already. And then when we assign them to some other thing that they've not yet been associated with, all those meanings come along for the ride, right? So when we think about resistance, as Art just beautifully explained, as something that's now stopping or at least slowing some moving force that already has some momentum, uh, that's one way of thinking about things. But what, what to me has been such an interesting thing to observe about the way we human beings use language is it not only reflects what we already think, but changing our language in a deliberate way can actually change the way we think because of all of those definitions that the words we use metaphorically carry with them. And, and, I, and I, many of this, much of this is probably unwitting on, on most people's parts most of the time, but it certainly can be mustered in, in a purposeful way to actually bring about changes of thinking and ultimately changes in people's behavior. Yeah. When a particular group uses a particular way of describing a situation. Because those words create a social reality, they also bind together the members of that community who then recognize fellow members of that community by the use of a common language. To the extent, though, that that, that, that language is language that other people also find expressive for things that they're experiencing, which may be very different from what the first community was yeah, experiencing, yeah. they may choose to use that same language. And that can create a tremendous amount of tension because now you have a community that says, wait a second, we meant a particular thing by what we were saying. And you you shouldn't be using our language because you're you're a member of a different group. And now you're, you know, it would almost be like if suddenly one football team adopted the jerseys of the other team. People would say, well, wait, you can't do that we can't now we can't tell our we can't tell ourselves apart anymore and by dressing up your uh, what you're saying in the same language that someone else was using it can be very disconcerting in ways that may ultimately lead the initial group to stop using that language yeah. because now they feel like those words no longer express the concept that they intended there are people who will deliberately try to to mm. take language and subvert its meaning yeah, yeah. as a way of trying to take the teeth out of what someone else is doing. You know, I think it's easy to to pin nefarious motives yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah. on others. And sometimes it is undoubtedly true that people do things in order to mess with you. But I also think that there are plenty of times in which people are are doing things Heartfelt. It, heartfelt yeah. on their own terms right, right. that still may rankle you. Yeah. Next week, we'll talk about why we crave sugar with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. 
David Alvarez, Jake Perlman, and Michael Crawford are our engineers. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas. We're tracing the decisions that gave us the housing situation we have in Austin today in Growth Machine, how Austin engineered its housing market. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.